0: Yeah, it's pretty good morning. Uh, I, well, many of you know that I was doing some missionary uh, work uh, this last week. I was suffering for the Lord on the island of Kauai in Hawaii. Uh, now, don't laugh, it's primitive there, only one Costco on the whole island. And uh, uh, we we got a last-minute flash sale through uh, Hawaiian Airlines, got to travel in the cargo hold. But beyond that, it was uh, pretty good. And it was one of those times to just uh, look back and reflect a little bit and look forward as well. Uh, I'm very excited, honestly, where we're going as a church In the months ahead. I mean this has been uh, incredible. Every year we say the same thing. This year with uh, our new Renton campus. And we're so excited for what God is going to be doing. Through that ministry uh, there. But we can often look at what God is doing. In the organization of the church. And realize that's really not what it's ultimately about. It's ultimately about. What God would do in our individual lives and then that would be manifest in this thing uh, we call church. Jesus, uh, he talked, he he was teaching his disciples and they are at a point where they were a little worn out. Uh, Any of you ever feel a little worn out from time to time? Yeah, the ones, Yeah, you, you feel like, it's October, what's wrong with you people? And you're already worn out. Uh, I see, well, and you know, and I see like moms with little kids, and they're like so tired. I mean, I know dads do most of the work, but still, uh, <laughs> yeah, my wife isn't at this service. So that's why I can say that. But uh, uh, that we can just sometimes be a little bit tired. Or we can feel like we're in sort of a battle in some area of our life. And we get focused on the negative or focused on what's happening out there and forget that God wants to do something in here. And I believe today, if you're open, that God will do that very thing. Whether you are, hey, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing, or you've been a Christ follower for many, many years. Jesus, as he's uh, talking to uh, the crowds and to his disciples, he he says something, and this is the theme for this full life series. And, and I want you to wear this for the next couple weeks as we go through this. It's from John 10.10. 10. In fact, let's read this verse out loud together. Uh, it's, I don't believe it's in your programs, but it is in the Bible, so that's a good thing. Um, and re- out loud. So you read with me. Don't leave me hanging like you usually do, okay? Uh, ready, set, read. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Uh, why don't we try that one more time? Could we do that? Okay. Uh, I, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's God's intention. And so sometimes, here's what will happen. Is we'll say, if that's what God intends, then, then maybe there's a disconnect. And maybe, hopefully not in every area of your life, but in some area of our life. We, we get the instruction... To, or or the, the goal without the instruction. Sort of like I got an a, uh, Apple Watch uh, for my birthday. I thought that was really awesome. Uh, I know a lot of you, like my wife, work for Microsoft, so you can't say you have an Apple Watch. But uh, they're really great. And as you're uh, setting up the Apple Watch, there's an exercise setting if you, if you have one. And uh, there's a fitness level, and it'll hold you accountable to your fitness level. Uh, so you can go, on one side is, hey, I'm an Olympic athlete. On the other side is, I'm a Netflix athlete. And uh, so, so I, I put myself probably too far on this side. And my watch, uh, it has three goals for me every day. Isn't that great to have a watch that has goals for you? And the first goal is a stand goal. Now, is that, I don't even believe that should be a goal. But I'm like, hey, I stood today. Yay, me. You know, uh, and then there's the exercise goal. I don't get this one because even though I do exercise on the days I don't, I usually hit the exercise goal. Probably because I talk with my hands so much. uh, But what I never hit is the move goal. Uh, which is, uh, I guess why I walk my dog, I walk around here, do all that kind of stuff. I don't run unless someone is chasing me. But beyond that, I never hit that goal. And then it also tells me when to stand up and when to breathe. In fact, it, little, it gives me a little note. It says, you need to breathe now to relieve your stress. And I'm like, I need a watch that doesn't tell me what to do to relieve my stress. And so what it does is it tells me what I should be doing, but it doesn't tell me how to do it. And some of us, when it comes to our life in general, and maybe our life with God, is we feel like I get the goal, I'm just not sure how to get there. And so what I want to do is I'm going to look at a part of the Bible that uh, we often don't look at. We're going to be primarily studying about four verses from Lamentations uh, chapter 3. But to give you a a little bit of an introduction, it was written by the prophet Jeremiah. So God had divinely inspired him. He was known as a weeping prophet uh, because he was sort of an Eeyore kind of personality. And uh, in fact, look at this. See if you would invite this guy to to a party or not. He writes, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Fun guy, huh? And uh, he's known as a in fact, he wrote another book besides Jeremiah, aptly named for him, the book of Lamentations, which means, it comes from lament or to complain. So if you have a friend who's a complainer, say God has a book of the Bible for you. And, uh, and in that book of Lamentations, uh, it's really interesting that uh, there's a solution given. And I, and I want to look at that. But even when we're not the complainer, even when we say, hey, you know what? I'm doing my best. I'm trying to. But sometimes we can feel like we don't have that, that energy and we need re-energized in our life. In fact, in the book of Galatians, it says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Before we get to what the prophet Jeremiah would, would say and how, how we can make actionable God's intention for our life, I just want to look at how do we get to weary? How do we get to that place? Well, one aspect is, can just be frustration. When you're frustrated, it can wear you out, Right? If you're in a job where you're frustrated all the time, my guess is you lack energy in your job. Because you feel like, hey, I can't work through the bureaucracy of this organization. Or I've been uh, given uh, a goal without the tools to accomplish it. Or maybe you're you're the boss and you own a business and you say, I'm frustrated. Because it seems like people, they don't understand we're trying to accomplish something here. It can happen at home, right? Any of you have kids? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah. Do you ever get frustrated? Yeah, okay, yeah. Raise your hand. I heard a couple people say yes there. Uh, any, any of uh, uh, you have a parent, mom or dad? Yeah, all the hands should go up. That, this is a trick question here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of an IQ test this morning. But, we're, uh, <laughs> but yeah, What relationships can be frustrating. Why? Because there are humans involved. And it can wear us out. And then there's just simply physical exhaustion. Uh, where we are tired, as I said, you know, the, the moms chasing around the little kids. And then, and then little kids, uh, are you know, if you have that, or teenagers. I remember my parents uh, would look at me and I'd get a little cranky. And they'd look at each other and they'd say, Ben needs an NAP. But I was 16. I could spell. <laughs> and, uh, and so, that, but it's sort of funny when you're a little kid, what's the worst thing your parents could say to you? You need a nap. What's one of the best things someone could say to you? You need a nap. You're like, "Thank you, Jesus." Uh, and but if we let ourselves get worn out, and I see people make some of their worst decisions at points of physical exhaustion. And sometimes you're wondering, "Why? Why do I?" You're like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, "Why do I do the things I don't want to do?" Is because you just let yourself get to that point. And here's a big one, loneliness. Uh, In fact, a lot has been written actually about physical health in relationships. There are two books that are uh, two of my favorite in the subject. Uh, One was uh, the result of a five-year grant from the Lilly Foundation written many years ago. It was called There's a Lot More to Health Than Not Being Sick. uh, Written by uh, someone who is actually a Christian. The other was written by uh, a Jewish man. Uh, Dr. Friedman, who teaches at UC Riverside, and he wrote a book called The Self-Healing Personality. Interesting, both of these books looked at recovery from, from uh, uh, disease and from physical ailments, even when it was things that could be terminal. Dr. Friedman's research came, if people had social support, 27% more of them lived than if they didn't that interesting do friends matter sometimes can be a matter of life and death but we we just don't know how that's why we again and again at church we always say hey you know if you can connect in a group we have or or even today we we have after this service we have discover timberlake which is a great way to get connected to people you just walk through that hall if you didn't sign up it doesn't matter we feed you we take care of your kids it's just how do you get connected because you can be surrounded by people and then feel alone. You can have plenty of associates, but not friends. And so the, it, there's also sin. Sin can wear us out, where we're just struggle. Or maybe where, where you, know, you feel you're hiding all the time. You might have been raised in a religious environment where the only thing you felt like you could do is not tell people about the area where you're sinning. And sin is missing the mark. It's keeping us from God around here we say we have a low shame level so we can have a high transformation level it's okay to not be okay but don't stay that way and then there's comparison that'll wear you out and I don't even know do people do this much on these side oh yeah (laughs) they do there's comparison all the time. In fact, I can tell you, not only because my wife works at Microsoft, I can tell you when Microsoft bonuses come out in September. Do you know why? Because there are so many new cars in my neighborhood. And I look at that, and then I look at my seven-year-old car, and I'm like, I hate this car. And why? Because I, well, I have a great car. But just comparison. People do that with kids' accomplishment. By the way, and you. You're going to make your kid a psychological wreck when you do that. If you're, if you're comparing them to other kids, that will not bode well for them. Isn't it? Instead of just saying, God, what is the assignment you have for me today? God, not, not what have you called everyone else to do. What is everyone else doing? But God, I want your strength and your energy. And that's when we live on purpose with Jesus Christ. Jeremiah, uh, so he's in this Debbie Downer moment, and he says, "Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope." And there's four principles that I I want to go through that I think will be powerful for you uh, to really grab hold of, to go from intellectual assent to really a, a grasping of personally. What are four things we learned from these next few verses? One, resign as general manager of the universe. And every service people laugh. Do you know why? Because you do it. You're like, oh, if I could just control everything. You can't. If this was. See, here's the whole thing. God, God is not caught by surprise. And so if we let him be God, Jeremiah says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. One of the Uh, really controversial albeit, but one of the great theologians as he retired and influenced millions and millions and millions of people was saying, well, what's the deepest philosophical or theological truth you've learned? And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. After all these years and all this study, the love of Jesus Christ, because here's the thing, what I know about you and I know about me. If we're not convinced of that, you're going to seek love. Appropriately, often inappropriately. You'll work yourself to death and say, will you love me now because I'm doing so well at work? You hop from relationship to relationship. And and it's for that legitimate need to be loved. God created that. Even if you've expressed it in an inappropriate way, know that God loves you, and that He's comfortable being the general manager of the universe. Also, remind yourself uh, you are not the sum of your mistakes. And again, this is hard for people who uh, now see. I I, I didn't. I wasn't raised in any sort of religious environment, so I didn't have some of the, the the guilt that some of you. Some of you go into anything, even a church. It's like, oh, I feel guilty. I remember what I didn't do. I, have this, uh, I had a hard time getting used to this because I wasn't even raised a Christian. Now I'm a pastor. People look at me and they start confessing things. And they're like, oh, I wasn't at church last week. I'm like, yeah, well, you're going to hell. No, I don't say that. Uh, I'm like, dude, say you were at one of the campuses. I wouldn't have seen you. No, <laughs> lie to me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, I, I was working out and uh i was at the gym lunch break thought i was doing a good job uh and so i'm there i have my towel throw it on a bench there's a lady on the incline bench and and uh, as, as she's uh working out uh she sort of looks over like hey that's my bench i'm doing a circuit i'm like okay yeah and then she sort of gets off kilter and goes oh shoot but she didn't say shoot and then she looks at me and says it again oh shoot you're the pastor <laughs> and I say yes yeah I am <laughs> so, uh, and, and so we, we sort of get this idea is that, that in a religious environment or maybe God that he's just waiting for us to do something wrong and then we can get a, a demerit in that, that we've blown it I love what uh, Jeremiah says he says for his compassions never what? fail, they never fail they're new when? Every morning. Because when do you need them? Every morning. Because when do you sin? Every... No. <laughs> no, the truth is we, we learn that prayer. I mean, I learned this after I became a Christ follower. Is, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. God, what, what, are your compassion, is your mercy good enough for today? You, you're not some of your mistakes. You're not, you're not your worst moment. Sin is is an event, not a personality. See, part of this is to make God's plan for your life operational. Where you would say, God, I want to start living the plan you have for me. In the Bible it says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Lamentations 3.23, great is your faithfulness. And here's the truth. When you're tired, great is His faithfulness. When you struggle, great is His faithfulness. When you're coming on the other side of a a victory and you're wondering, what great is His faithfulness? When you find yourself maybe with more resources and you're saying, man, what great is your faithfulness? God's faithfulness is there. See, oftentimes what we'll do is we'll, we'll believe something and we think that is it see even when it comes to jesus well should i believe in jesus well believing in jesus is very important but that does not start a relationship with jesus it's when we trust him it would be uh sort of like at our house uh my wife does most of the cooking not all of it and i do most of the dishes and if if She cooked, and then afterwards, the dishes, and I said, you know, I believe the dishes need to be cleaned by someone. I'm praying about it right now. (laughs) What would she say? (laughs) Clean the dishes, you know? There's a difference between believing and acting. And that leads to number four, is to respond to God's faithfulness now. Today is the day the Lord has made. And where, where where could you do that in your life? Lamentations 3, 24 through 25. I love what the place that Jeremiah gets to. And he he changes his internal dialogue. And he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. He says, I I, I can think differently. And therefore, I can live differently. Because I'm not, I'm not worried. Because he was worried about all the bad things happening in the world. Any of you feel like that sometimes? Feeling like, oh, the last, you know, news cycle or election or whatever. This is, and he's sort of he goes, no, no, the Lord is my portion. The Lord, is... yeah, God will use me. I love, I love what it says. In Galatians, again, turning back to that, it says, But when the set time had fully come, God set his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And the Abba is sort of a, interestingly enough, they, they kept the Aramaic term, which is a term of endearment, basically daddy. Now, in the ancient world, uh, it was sort of odd how they did adoption. My sister has adopted three children. And uh, in the ancient world, they might take in kids. They usually really didn't. Christians, actually. Uh, and you may not know this, that, that in the Roman world, they, they would, uh, especially for women, uh, young baby girls, uh, they would, if they had a baby girl, they would sometimes just leave them on the porch and abandon them. Uh, and Christians would come in to take in all these baby girls and these babies that had been abandoned. Uh, so, y- orphanages totally came from followers of Christ. That had never existed before. Adoption in the ancient world, uh, outside of Christian culture, was, uh, they would they would not adopt babies uh, it really had they would adopt adults to be heirs so they literally what they would do is they'd see how the kid turned out and then they'd say okay i'll adopt you and uh because the idea is should i really accept them are they worthy and so you got to understand the mindset is god has adopted you god sees you as worthy he knows what you did last night and last summer. And he says, I choose you. The question is, are you going to respond? Are you going to respond to God's faithfulness now? One of the things that's happening in a couple of weeks is we're having a baptism service. Actually, we're having them, I think, I believe on all our campuses. And where people are saying, because of what Jesus did for me, I am going to identify in his death and resurrection. Bible, there's really, Jesus implemented two sacraments, which is one is baptism and the other is communion. And maybe for you, you say, you know, I don't have anything to give. I don't, man, I'm not sure about serving yet. I'm not, just take that step. If you've said yes to Jesus, To say, I'm going to be baptized. You don't have to say anything, do anything. But you are saying, God, I'm not going to let your faithfulness go unanswered. I am going to respond right now. Maybe it's uh, that whole sticky thing of forgiveness. Forgiveness would be easy if it wasn't for people, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you say, well, I don't feel like forgiving And and I don't want to lay heavy guilt on you, but can I just sort of get a little in your face? I don't think Jesus felt like going to the cross. In fact, he said, Father, will you take this cup from me? And who was in the right? He was. So so when we receive that, he said, would you do this one thing? Would you forgive as I forgave you? And you know why he hadn't instructed it? Because it's hard. I know some of you, you're married right now and you're living in unforgiveness and you're wondering why the marriage isn't getting better. And Jesus' word to you today would be, will you forgive like I forgave you? It doesn't mean that you know, there's not trust issues. to work, But would you forgive? Would you not hold it against them? Jesus says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take uh, my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's so many ways that God makes that operational in our life, so many ways we can respond, but we know we're called to respond. And, And if you're saying, I just don't know how to take that step, Uh, I thought it would be helpful if you heard John's story in how, you know, sort of went through this assenting, believing in God, to saying, God, I'm going to take that step. Here's John's story.
1: Hi, my name is John. I've been attending Timberlake for four years now. I am a native Washingtonian, and I grew up in Bellevue. I went to Interlake High School, and this is my home. Growing up, I had a very uh, spiritual home. Kind of grew up going to Sunday school. But I think growing up, there was a little bit of a, a disconnect. You know, I felt like there was things that I needed to be doing to earn kind of the, the love of, of Jesus. Everything made sense to me, but I was not quite connected in, in that way. One of the most difficult things that I've had to deal with in my life is going through a divorce. This was about four years ago. um, And I was trying to figure out how do I navigate through this? There was a sense of resentment and I knew that I needed to forgive in order for me to move forward. And I needed to be strong for my four boys. It was super important for me to to be a stand up dad and not drag them through the process that you know my ex and I were going through. So I reached out to Ben and I had a meeting with him in his office and I was not sure how to move forward. So he made it very simple for me and he said John read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start there. And then he gave me a small book and said, how good is good enough? It gave me the confidence that I don't have to, there's not anything that I have to do to earn God's love. I'm not sure that I went through the process of accepting Christ into my life. I mean, I knew that Christ was the son of God and all of that made perfect sense to me. But I think until I came to Timberlake and was sitting in the audience here and Pastor Ben said, open your eyes and and meet mine if you've accepted Christ. And I think it was at that point that I really felt that it was time for me to accept Jesus into my life as as my Savior. Before Jesus, my life was felt with doubt, with a sense of guilt, am I doing the right things? Um, a guilt for maybe doing things I shouldn't be doing. Now, with Christ, now that I've accepted Christ as my Savior, I am much more confident in the fact that I have God's love and Jesus loves me for who I am.
0: That was awesome. Can we thank John for sharing his story? You know, one of my uh, favorite songs is one that we sing, we didn't sing it today, and it talks about when you're, when you're tired and you're weary, and the line goes, come to the altar. And the altar is really symbolic in many ways, it's a, a place where we would say, God, I'm going to lay whatever this thing is down, down, and I'm going to trust you with it. God, maybe for you, it's, God, I'm going to trust you with my aspirations, when it is not necessarily turning out how it hoped. I'm going to trust you with my kids, who seem to maybe be wandering away from you. And maybe you're like John, and you say, God, God, I'm going to trust you with the pain of my divorce. God says when we come to him, that he's willing and waiting. He's to respond to us. And there's a literal transaction that takes place. But but the only thing you give God is your willingness. So maybe you're at a place where you say, hey, that's that's where I am. I'm willing to allow Jesus uh, that access into my heart and into my life. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for my friends here today. And God, I just pray that as we uh, respond to you, God, that we will, we will live out that promise of the full life. You might be here and you say, Ben, you know, I don't know Jesus the way that you talk about him or like John talked about him, but, but I want to. I want to have that personal relationship with him. And if that's you, I I encourage you to just tell God that. In fact, we're going to pray together. I'm not going to have you go to another room or come forward. But you just pray silently. Uh, Something like this. With everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, even up on stage, we want to give you a sense of privacy. Say, God, I I decide today to not live that life that's weary without energy. I decide today, God, to step into... That full life. And I know what that means. Is allowing you in completely. And so God I hold nothing back from you. I know that you love me. And I thank you for that. God I bring. I bring my own failures and sin. And I ask that you would forgive me. And I thank you. For what you've done. And Jesus. I I invite you to be the leader. And Lord of my life. And I want to follow you. As best as I know how. And the Bible says when we prayed, uh, pray a prayer like that. That God is in our heart. That, he's, that we're part of his forever family. That he'll be with you this life and in the next. The music, and here's right. another step I want to encourage you to take like John talked about. Because there's something that happens. Although our faith, faith is uh, very personal. Never meant to be private. As a first step there's something that happens when we let other people know. So with everyone else's eyes closed and head bowed, but if you say, Ben, I prayed that prayer to say yes to Jesus today, would you just take the simple step of looking up at me? I'm going to start over on my right-hand side and your left, and that you just let your eyes meet mine. All right. And then in the center section too, you'd say, that's me. All right. Great. Awesome. In the balcony. Awesome. Awesome. And over on my left, you'd say, that's the decision I'm making today. Great. God, I just thank you for my friends who are making this incredible decision to follow you. God, I I pray that as as we read that verse, great is your faithfulness, that we would live that and that, God, we would respond to that faithfulness as my friends have even in this moment. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, Ben. Hey, as we conclude our service, uh, in just a moment, we're going to receive connection cards and offering if you want to begin to prepare those. Inside your program, there's a card that looks like this, and it serves a couple purposes. One, just lets us know that you were here today. Also, we talk a lot about next right steps here at Timberlake. And on the back of the card, there's a spot for you to mark down any that you'd like to take today. Uh, If you prayed that prayer with Pastor Ben for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, we would love to know that and celebrate that with you. You can also sign up for baptisms. You can join a volunteer team. Or if you live in the Renton area or know someone who does, we'd love to get you more information on that. Uh, In just a moment, buckets are going to pass down the aisles. You can drop in your completed connection cards. As well, we're going to receive an offering. And maybe for you, that would be your next step, where you'd say, I'm going to invest financially in what God's doing here at Timberlake. It's a very practical step, but we think it's also a very spiritual step as well. As you say, I'm going to trust God with my finances. And I know many of you have already taken that step, and we get to see every weekend the impact that your generosity is making, not only here, but around the world. And so today I thought it would be fun to highlight one of our global partners. So while the ushers pass the buckets, take a look at this video
3: My name is Juan Carlos Combariza. We started to attend Timberlake Christian Church about three to four years ago approximately. We relocated 12 years ago from Colombia here into, into this area into Seattle. And uh, we have had this idea of finding a project and a way to really support our home country. Uh, Really, all the credits go to my wonderful wife. She researched it. She was able to find Rise and Shine, uh, which works under the umbrella of youth with a mission for Colombia. Rise and Shine offers nutrition programs and schooling for these kids. Before and after school programs and and they also do a lot of uh, evangelizing in in the process. These mothers and their kids are exposed to extreme poverty, to violence, to drug trafficking, to prostitution, to some of the toughest conditions that you can ever imagine. Through the generosity of Timberlake, we were able to uh, acquire some industrial sewing machines to teach all these uh, women Uh, We have 42 of them already participating in the program on how to become professional seamstress. For some of them, this could be one of the very few real opportunities to be able to walk out of poverty and offer a real better life for their kids. Thank you so very much, Timberlake. Your generosity is really leaving a good impact across the world.
2: Thank you for watching. If you enjoyed the service using the links found on this page, please feel free to share it with your friends and invite them to next Sunday's 945 and 1115 online service. Along with visiting online.timberlakechurch.com, you can also use Timberlake's mobile app to attend the online campus, as well as watch all of our past messages, listen to the weekly podcast, view upcoming information about any of our ministry areas, and so much more. It is truly our all-in-one solution for all things Timberlake. Thanks again for joining in today, and we hope to see you next Sunday at the online campus.
0: Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or
1: Facebook.